0: Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Pokemon Snapshot. Hi Tyler, how are you doing today? Not
1: super great, Jeff. I have to go to work tomorrow for the first time
0: in a month. Yep, I, I know. I, I, if, for those of you who are listening, I had to pull Tyler out of the fetal position. He just like came on the Zoom call crying, because that's all he could think about.
1: I'm planning on getting no sleep. I'm like a night owl, naturally, so like I usually stay up till 2, 3 in the morning. Like I just instantly revert back to it, and I have to be up at 6 in the morning tomorrow. So,
0: yeah, there's not going to be much sleep pad by myself. Well, you have fun with that. And to our listeners, if you want to tweet at us, make sure to tweet us at at PokemonSnapshot, or you can email us at thePokemonSnapshot@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Also, go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Let us know what you think and we'll read them on the air. Before we get started with this episode, though, I want to put a disclaimer out there. This episode was originally banned in the United States, but it did air here eventually, but it was heavily cut. So, if you have younger kids who are listening to this, just to let you know, we will be talking about some things that does not fly with American cartoons in the 90s, and they let a lot in in the 90s. So, Tyler, are we ready to get into the episode? I am ready to roll on this bad boy. Alright, so today's episode is episode 18, and it was called Beauty and the Beach. Or in Japanese, it was called Holiday at Acapulco. It aired on July 29th, 1997 in Japan and on June 24th, 2000 in the United States. And before we get going, just a little history on that. They, so this was originally skipped in the original dub. And then in June of 2000, the beginning of June, May, I don't know when they first started announcing it, but they started saying they were going to air the lost episode of Pokemon. and so. You know, this was still in the infancy of the internet. Nobody, not as many people knew about this type of stuff. So, everyone, I remember watching it when it aired, the last episode, and I think it only aired one other time, and that was in August. This episode has only aired twice, and it has not been on any Pokemon DVDs. It is You cannot find it on the Pokemon.com website or on Netflix. All right, Tyler, so... After that, let's get into the episode. All right, so we're going
1: to jump right in, and just to let you know, we're going to get to some pretty pervy stuff here real quick. I'm just telling you what I saw. Uh, I would put this at a rating of what, PG-13,
0: Jeff? Yeah, PG-13.
1: Yeah, this is a PG-13 episode, just from the content, because... You know, Jeff kind of mentioned it a little bit. The original episode was cut quite a bit. We actually watched the original version. And at certain points, I'm going to mention that it switches to Japanese because in the version that I watched, it re-added all the deleted scenes in and it was all, you know, in Japanese with English subtitles. So uh, I'll be curious to see how accurate some of these subtitles are. We begin our episode with a reminder of how Ash and the group plus Team Rocket survived the island of giant Pokemon and how they have now arrived in the beautiful and tropical city of Porta Vista. We then cut to a moving panoramic shot of a beach full of bikini-clad women. They really focus on bikini-clad women in this episode, (laughs) so be prepared for that. Ash's and Brock's clothes go flying into the air as they jump into the ocean for a swim. Ash says the water is cool and Brock says, and the beach is hot. I'm not sure this whole episode will be full. I'm sure that this whole episode is going to be full of like subtle references to Brock not being able to handle the events of this episode. Uh, So be prepared for that. I'm pretty sure that that's what this one was when Ash is like, water's cold. And he's like, the beach is hot after the panoramic shot of all the bikini clad women. Pikachu then floats by on a
0: pool floaty, thoroughly enjoying himself. So we started off, you know, right off the bat with, you know, some... Some I wouldn't call it risque, but it was showing a lot of skin for there was a, a
1: lot of skin.
0: For a children's cartoon. But I did have a few thoughts on this as this episode was starting up. For one, did they call their parents and say that they were okay? Like I assume before they got on the Saint Anne, they called their parents and, you know, checked at home, go, guess what? We got this cool trip to this cruise ship. I feel like they they would have, you know, told someone. You would
1: think that, but I I got the feeling from a scene that happens later in this episode that Ash is not keeping his mother privy to what he's doing and where he's going.
0: Yeah, because it had to be national news that this boat sank, right? Right. So they would have heard about the capsizing and know that their children were on this boat and they haven't heard from them And you know, I guess by now it's been two days maybe.
1: Yeah, I feel like that would have been a, a point of, of something to come up. But like I said, I, I feel like later on in the episode, we get a pretty good picture that Ash is not informing them. I would not be surprised if his mother had no idea he was even on the boat.
0: True. And my other thought on this was, you think after all this time in the water, they would have tried to avoid it for at least a little bit.
1: You would think. I mean, I feel like I would be thoroughly traumatized after the events of the last couple episodes, but, uh, apparently not. They're good with the ocean now. After the scene where Ash and Brock jump into the ocean and make their little comments, we then see Misty walking up to the edge of the water. The camera starts at her feet and works its way up, revealing her in a swimsuit, which is honestly a relatively safe-looking bikini type of swimsuit, but it's not like, you know, there's not like cleavage hanging out or, or- or or things like that. So it was it was pretty safe, which is why I think that they kept it in the episode when it aired in the United States.
0: Which is good that it's safe because she's ten years old.
1: Yeah, it's a that was a good call, uh, Pokemon. Uh, she says, "Hey, I thought you guys were going to wait for me by the snack bar." Ash and Brock, however, do a slow gasp as they look at her in her swimwear for an uncomfortably long period of time. Brock is noticeably sweaty. Misty, perplexed by their awkward reactions, says, What's wrong? Why are you looking at me like that? As Ash and Brock both emerge from the water to speak with her. Ash responds by saying to her, It's just weird to see you looking like a girl. Misty becomes a little embarrassed and then angry, and throws a pool floaty that looks like a giant master ball at Ash. It hits him and he goes flying into the water. And I just want to pause there and say that I feel like this whole scene was a really great introduction into just how awkward this whole episode is going to be, considering we are dealing with literal children. Lord help us all. (laughs) We then cut scenes back to the ocean, where we see an odd sort of small-looking submarine emerge from the water, and it looks like a Gyarados, so it's, like, it kinda looks like a Gyarados. It's like a Gyarados head with, like, a little end on it. A stethoscope emerges from from this thing, and... From the water, and then we see that it is Jesse from Team Rocket that is looking through the periscope.
0: And just so you know, Tyler, it's called a periscope.
1: Yes, I misspoke the first time, but I caught it the second time. Okay. A periscope.
0: Yeah, stethoscope's what a doctor uses.
1: Yes. Team Rocket does their little pwn thing as they are pedaling and the submarine, as they are pedaling the submarine along, and what sort of looks like an exercise bike with three seats. I can't be sure though, because as you know, I do not often go near nex- exercise equipment. So, but it does look like a uh, a stationary bike that they are pedaling in order to power this submarine. Jesse then says, "Porta Vista is straight ahead, and it is positively packed with wealthy tourists." They state that their plan is to rob all of them of their of their stuff, and Meowth becomes excited about all the catnip and whatnot that he is going to buy once this is pulled off. However, their joy is short-lived as they see a large boat flying towards them with Ash, Brock, and Misty on the top deck. It appears that Ash is driving this boat, which does not seem like a superstellar idea, and Ash says, Isn't this great, Misty? This then begins a whole conversation that leads us to figuring out that they all thought the other had gotten the boat. Brock says he was just following Pikachu, so like... You know, Misty's like, oh, Brock, you must have known somebody to get this boat, and yada yada yada, and Brock's like, what? I just saw Ash walking onto it, and then Ash immediately throws Pikachu under the bus. Uh, At this point, though, Pikachu just looks at them with a single sweat bead rolling down his head, and it is at this moment that we realize that Pikachu was just wandering onto this boat, and they have now stolen it. Ash gets nervous and says that he thinks they are in trouble. Yes, Ash, I would say that felony theft of a boat when you were a child is probably not the best thing to have on your record. Have fun in Juvie.
0: Not only did he steal the boat, he does not have a license to drive the boat. Also, why? what made Brock think that following Pikachu was the bright idea? He's just going to follow the animal onto the boat. It's his fault.
1: I think they all kind of secretly knew that they were stealing the boat, but wanted to keep their conscience clean. That's what I'm going to go with here. Pikachu knew full well that they were stealing the boat.
0: Also, I want to go back to something you said earlier about Meowth. You said he wanted to buy some catnip with all the money they were going to get. So not only are we look working with, you know, scantily clad women, Meowth just wants to use money to buy drugs. Of course he does.
1: I I could see that, though. I would be very surprised if Team Rocket wasn't on some sort of drug. Pikachu then, after this whole exchange, looks straight ahead and realizes that they are about to hit Team Rocket's submarine. Pikachu gets excited and yells, Pikachu! And then immediately they crash into the sub. We see Team Rocket's sub begin rapidly floating to the bottom of the ocean before we flash to the boat where Ash is yelling that something broke and he can't stop. He crashes the boat into a dock. After crashing into the dock, Ash nervously says, Uh, the dock hit us! As an old man with a beard and fisherman hat comes running up yelling. He yells at them because they have stolen his boat and then crashed it into his dock. He says they are going to have to pay for this. Ash cowers behind Misty and explains that this is all a big mistake. But the man immediately changes his tune, stares at Misty and says, Ah, you remind me of my granddaughter. Misty explains that they are willing to work to pay for the damages.
0: So, this line was a little bit different in the Japanese version, and a lot more creepy. Oh, no. Instead of telling Misty that he looks like her, his granddaughter, the old guy says he is looking f- forward to seeing her in eight years.
1: Oh, Lord in heaven. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, because in that scene, I almost included something about how creepy he says that. Like, he says, oh, you look just like my granddaughter. And, like, the expression on his face, you can tell that it was, like, kind of a creepy tone. But I decided to skip past it because there's so much creepy stuff already. And I didn't want to, like, you know, grasp at straws with creepiness because we have just so much of it already. So I, I think that that is very fitting that that's what he actually said.
0: Yeah, and you know what he makes me think of, Tyler? Have you ever seen the Dragon Ball anime? Yes. Yeah. He, he makes me think a lot of Master Roshi. He kind of is the, that creepy old man.
1: Yeah, he's kind of dressed like Master Roshi, too. Uh, To a certain extent. We then change scenes to see that Team Rocket has survived their crash and they are crawling up the beach in pain. Meowth says, I wanted to hit the beach, but not like this. Oh, Meowth and your puns. (laughs) James says that it isn't fair that every time they come up with a foolproof plan, Ash and his friends mess it up. Which seems illogical to me, because if the plans were truly foolproof, then how come they keep getting fooled by the, one of the dumbest people in the entire show? Many times, Ash even accidentally messes up their plans.
0: I guess Scooby-Doo was right. If it weren't for those meddling kids.
1: Right? All the bad guys and and Scooby-Doo going, if it weren't for those meddling kids, it's kind of a moment Team Rocket is having. Like, no, Team Rocket, your plans are just very obvious and not well thought out. Jesse begins to say that they are going to have to repair their sub when just then a really creeping-looking little girl, and I put little girl with a question mark here, Uh, because I was not sure, walks up in a pink dress. This character is almost indescribable as they simultaneously look like an old woman and a little girl. So it's like a little girl's body with an old woman face. And she has a very deep, almost Italian-American sounding accent, you know, from like uh, the East Coast or something.
0: Yeah, and I think what she's kind of supposed to be based off of is like the Japanese folklore or just the typical hag from Japanese folklore. Ah, Okay.
1: She explains, after walking up to Team Rocket, she explains that this section of beach is for restaurant patrons only and that she doesn't need squatters. James offers for them all to be waiters for her, and Jessie seems confused, but then Meowth explains that they need money to fix their sub. The girl then says, Working for me ain't no picnic. I can be brutal. James gets nervous but says, We work with Jessie so we know all about brutal. That was a sick burn. Good job, James. The scene then changes, and we see Ash and Brock standing outside of a small restaurant along the beach. They are advertising foods such as squid on a stick and clam juice snow cones.
0: Mmm, sounds delicious. Uh, But they were much more creative in the English dub with their food than the Japanese version. In that version, all they were saying is they were serving ramen and shaved ice, and they can come and get out of the sun.
1: Wow, you know, I felt like that would be a better way to advertise your restaurant, because I don't think that I would want to eat clam juice snow cones, but whatever. Just then, a couple walks up to Brock and Ash as they're standing outside, and Brock asks table for two, but the girl doesn't want to eat there and says it looks like a dive. They then spot a much nicer restaurant down the beach and start headed that way. They arrive and are greeted by Jessie in a waitress uniform who says, Welcome to Brutala's Ocean Chateau. She guides them in and makes a face at Ash and Brock as she does so. Ash asks, What is she doing here? Because I guess the thought of checking on the vessel that they rammed into never really crossed their mind. Like, they kind of just like, Oh, we hit this dock and got in trouble. Those people that we plowed into in the ocean and they sank to the bottom? What
0: Whatevs. I mean they got out of it, so maybe so maybe they thought it was no big deal.
1: I guess so. Brock, as his usual creepy self, says, Jesse looks pretty good in that uniform too.
0: So does this obviously mean he has something for Jesse and thinks she looks good in the Team Rocket uniform as well? I would say that yes, that is what that is implying.
1: He must think that uh Jesse from Team Rocket is pretty good looking. Which it all in all do fair to she kind of is. Jesse then hollers out, a top-quality restaurant attracts top-quality people. And then the camera pans up to show James on a deck serving drinks, and he says, and a no-quality dive attracts the bottom feeders. Meowth says, yeah, you losers. This comment makes Ash and his party angry, and Ash says, we'll show them we're not losers, as he grabs his Pokeballs and releases all of his Pokemon at once.
0: All of his Pokemon except for Butterfree. (laughs) Did you notice that?
1: No I didn't.
0: Yeah d- doesn't it make you feel sorry for Butterfree? Just a few episodes ago he tried to trade Butterfree away and when he was trying to remember all these fond memories of Butterfree all he could remembering was the time he evolved. Right. So this Pokemon just doesn't get any better. It's I mean
1: I- in fairness it is just a Butterfree but yeah I agree. Butterfree deserves better than Ash. I said that three episodes ago when it finally almost escaped and got traded away, but uh, it didn't happen, and now Butterfree is continuing to be the uh, oddball in the bunch. After Ash releases all of his Pokemon, some of them begin handing out flyers for the restaurant they are working at to happy-looking people. Pidgeotto also is seen using Gust to keep the charcoal on the grill hot while Charmander uses his flame in the kitchen. We also see Bulbasaur and Misty waiting on customers.
0: And I feel like this is a good way to get the food safety inspector called on you. Yes, it would. Uh, For one, birds are just naturally gross, in my opinion, and Pidgeotto is flapping his wings all over the grill. Right. Uh, Bulbasaur and Charmander most likely have skills, and thinking of them touching my food is also gross, and also Pikachu is a literal rodent, and we're letting all these animals run all over the kitchen.
1: Right, you can't have rodents in a restaurant. There was a place in Cedar Falls that learned
0: that the hard way. What was that name of that Chinese place? I never ate there, but like the China Buffet, it... Sh- it Great sh- Wall. Great Wall, yeah, it got shut down multiple times.
1: Multiple times. It was like a rite of passage to get food poisoning from this place. I don't think it exists anymore. Which is why I don't feel bad calling it out, because it's already gone. <laughs> the restaurant begins to get a lot of attention, and Ash sets up more tables. Ash then says, it looks like everyone wants to eat at the only restaurant in Porta Vista with Pokemon. And then I made the comment that wouldn't this be an obvious violation of child labor laws and health codes? So I was was a little ahead of y'all there on the health codes, but also child labor laws. Like, this guy's just taking these children and putting them to work in his restaurant. But whatever, that's the least bad thing that happens in this episode.
0: I mean, they offered, like, they have to pay back his doc somehow.
1: I guess, but it's still breaking—probably breaking—child labor laws. I'm not a lawyer, but uh, I don't think they wrecked my stuff, so I'm making them work for it would work. You know, if someone showed up, but then again, I guess he does—he could just blackmail them and be like, "Yeah, they stole my boat. Throw them in juvie, kind of thing." <laughs> True. This upsets Team Rocket seeing all of the success, and they explain that if people keep going to that restaurant, they won't make any money. Meowth says this calls for some old-fashioned sabotaging. Just then we see wind gusting on the beach, and it blows away the flyers. We see that Meowth has set up a giant fan to accomplish this. He then begins pumping gasoline in the grill, and that causes all of the food to burn, which is honestly the least terrible thing that could have happened from him pumping gasoline onto a wood-burning grill.
0: You really think that's the least terrible thing? I mean, they're lucky the whole place didn't explode by just pouring gasoline all over it.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's the least terrible thing that could happen is just him burning the food.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. So you're saying he's lucky. You're kind of like me. He's lucky he didn't get worse.
1: Yes, it could have been so much worse. They could have blown up the entire restaurant and killed everybody inside. That would have ended the Pokemon series on a very somber note.
0: I feel like we've had lots of these moments where they just, you know, got out of death very quickly. They there have been almost every episode,
1: but he doesn't stop there. He begins throwing banana peels into the restaurant, which causes Misty and Bulbasaur to trip and spill food all over customers. This makes the customers mad and they all begin to leave with the restaurant now empty. We see Ash and Brock standing outside. Ash says, what went wrong? And Brock responds with just about everything. We then see everyone sitting in the empty restaurant and Ash looks at the old man and says, "Mo." I'm really sorry for the way we messed things up for you. Mo responds with telling them that they did the best they could, and things were going well until the accident started happening. Firstly, Mo, things went well until they stole and wrecked your boat and your dock. Secondly, Mo doesn't know this, but he's lucky he even still has a restaurant at this point. Generally speaking, wherever Ash goes, everything gets destroyed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he was pretty quick to forgive here. I mean, that was a nice boat. It was like, a it wasn't quite a yacht, but I'd be happy to have that boat. Yeah, I
1: didn't even know, because I am not very, you know, privy to boats and things living in Nebraska, I, I think I live 2,000 miles from the nearest ocean. Uh, so, but it, it's not a yacht, but like Jeff said, it's not a speedboat either. It, it was a large, fancy boat, though. It, it, easily a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Easily. It was a nice boat. Ash responds to Mo, basically forgiving them and saying that they tried their best by saying, I guess so. And Misty gets mad and says, something's weird. There's no way those were all accidents.
0: With the luck they've just had, I don't know why Misty would think something else is the the issue. Like, you know, there's no way those can be just accidents. But Misty, bad stuff follows you wherever you guys go.
1: Exactly. Like, this is just another day for you all. Team Rocket and their new boss then walk in, and the new boss, the creepy lady from before, goes, Well, well, and Mo says, Brutala! And Ash says, Team Rocket. Brutala says, Looks like we don't need a reservation to get in here anymore. If things keep up like this, you might have to go out of business, Mo." Ash, always slow to the uptake, says, What do you care? And Brutala responds by saying that she doesn't care if the dump goes under or not, but that Mo better find a way to pay the money he owes her quickly. Mo says that he will have her money, and she says she wants it by tomorrow or she will be taking his boat, which jokes on her because that boat is done busted up. (laughs) She's going to get a broken boat the next day. Mo says, please, no, take anything you want, but not that boat, and Brutalic cackles and walks out while Team Rocket taunts them and says that they will be back the next day for this boat.
0: And after that is when we go into the Who's That Pokemon segment. Who's That Pokemon? Which, I want to give a little fun fact here, because in the Japanese version, so our Who's That Pokemon for this week is Pidgeotto, but... Pidgeotto was not the selection for the Who's That Pokemon in Japanese. In fact, the p- thing they chose for Who's That Pokemon wasn't even a Pokemon. The Who's That Pokemon was Brutella.
1: What?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. Like, that is... Th- true story. It's Brutella, and I don't know. It's so weird because this is such a special episode because it's a lost episode, then it's even kind of even more special in Japan. Because their Who's That Pokemon is not a Pokemon.
1: Okay. So what are you going to do your Who's That Pokemon
0: on? Well, since there's not a lot of facts on Brutella, I'm doing it on Pidgeotto. Okay, alright. Since he was in the episode and we haven't seen, haven't done one on Pidgeotto yet. So, as I just said, the Who's That Pokemon is Pidgeotto, who is called Pigeon in Japanese. Uh, his basic information so he's number 17 in the Pokedex. He's a normal and flying type. He's 3 foot 7 inches tall and 66.1 pounds. He is known as the Bird Pokemon and he evolves into Pidgeot at level 36. All right, his name origin Pidgeotto may be a combination of the corruption of Pigeon and Dicciotto, which is Italian for 18. The level Pidgey evolves into Pidgeotto. I feel like that's stretching it a bit.
1: That is grasping at
0: straws, but yeah. we'll go with it. Yeah, I, I just go with what I'm told. Its name may also refer to Otto Lilenthal, a pioneer of unpowered heavier than air flight. Otto, I guess Otto Lil- I that again, I think we're grasping at straws here.
1: Oh, yes, most definitely. They probably just are like, we need a name that sounds like a pigeon. We're going to go with this.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, His Japanese name origin, Pigeon, is literally Pigeon.
1: How creative.
0: Yes. Um, What is he based off of? Despite its name, Pidgeotto's design appears to be less inspired by a pigeon and more by an osprey or other birds of prey. So, he's not even based off of a pigeon. So, I feel like... Sad for Pidgeotto. He just is getting all this stuff that he's just not... He's not very exciting.
1: He was an afterthought.
0: They designed all the cool Pokemon
1: and were like, hmm, we need a lot more than this to fill this world up. We need a bird. A really lame bird that looks angry.
0: (laughs) Alright, so Pidgeotto's biology. Pidgeotto is a raptor-like avian Pokemon. It is covered with brown feathers, has a cream-colored face, underside, and flight feathers. It has a crest of pinkish-red feathers on its head and black angular markings behind its eyes. The plumage of its tail has alternating red and yellow feathers with ragged tips. Its beak and legs are pink. Two of its toes point forward while one points backwards. Additionally, it has powerful sharp talons that it uses to grasp prey. Alright, some Pokedex entries from Pidgeotto. Red and Blue states, Very protective of its sprawling territorial area. This Pokemon will fiercely peck at any intruder. Uh, Pokemon Silver... Pokedex Entry says, it immobilizes its prey using well-developed claws, then carries the prey more than 60 miles to its nest. And then Ruby and Sapphire Pokedex Entry says, Pidgeotto claims a large area as its own territory. This Pokemon flies around patrolling its living space. If its territory is violated, it shows no mercy and thoroughly punishing the foe with its sharp claws. So do not go into a Pidgeotto's territory, because you were will literally get torn to shreds. All right. And then um, he a little bit of trivia about Pidgeotto. His early English name was the same as its evolved form Pidgeot. It was originally going to be called Pidgeot, but then they added a third form and gave it the name Pidgeotto. And that's our Who's That Pokemon for this week. Who's That Pokemon?
1: Excellent. Excellent. So prior to the Who's That Pokemon, we see Brutala and Team Rocket harassing old Moe and telling him that they're going to take his busted boat. Uh, And they walk out. After they walk out, Moe begins explaining that he doesn't have the money and guesses he will be losing his boat. Misty exclaims how sad it is, and Moe goes on to explain that he had dreamed of taking that boat around the world before it was too late. Ash explains that he can't give up on his dream like that. He explains that his dream is to become the greatest Pokemon trainer, and how even though it will be tough, he is going to do everything he can to make it happen. Ash begs him not to give up, and Brock agrees with him. They all agree that they're going to work
0: together to help him get the money he needs. Ash says becoming a Pokemon master isn't easy, but maybe it's a lot harder due to how inept Ash is. That's definitely part of it, although it is challenging to become a Pokemon
1: Master regularly, but yes, I agree, Uh, Ash has a very steep mountain to climb from how he's doing thus far. Mo agrees not to give up, but expresses doubt that they can raise the money they need in one day. They all begin thinking, and just then Professor Oak walks in wearing a Hawaiian shirt, so Professor Oak has showed up on the scene! He says he has a suggestion, and before he can explain it, Ash's mom also walks in behind him. Ash gets surprised and says, Mom, how come you two are here? And Professor Oak tells Ash that they will explain that later. Oh, (laughs) snap. I think we all know why Professor Oak and Ash's mom are seemingly on a tropical vacation together, and I feel like we predicted this in, like, even the first episode of the podcast. We're like, yeah... Ash and, Ash and, uh, Ash's mom and Professor Oak are definitely, uh,
0: they, they got a thing going on. It is a pretty common co- topic that is brought up in the Pokemon anime fandom that, you know, Ash's mom and Professor Oak are a thing. I'm pretty sure they, like, went to this restaurant. I'm like, crap, he's here.
1: Oh, that's definitely what happened. They're probably like, oh, we heard the food was good, you know, before everything went bad, and then they walked there and they're like, god dang it. I thought for sure he was dead.
0: Yeah, and also going off of that, kind of like you said earlier, uh, Ash's mom does not seem to know that her son almost died at the bottom of the ocean. She just treats him like it's any like it like it's a Tuesday.
1: Yeah, and it was this scene that I was uh, referencing before when I said I don't think she even knew because I feel like that would be the first thing that would come out of your mouth upon seeing your son if you thought that he had sunk to the bottom of the ocean on a ship. And they gave him a funeral. So clearly nobody, nobody's informed
0: her. A a funeral that she wasn't even invited to. No.
1: Well, I mean, they had to dump him off the ship, Jeff. It would have taken, what, an hour to get back to the port? (laughs) Professor Oak then hands them an advertisement for the annual Porta Vista Beach Beauty and Pokemon Costume Contest. Brock says that a beach beauty contest sounds excellent.
0: Of course he would think that sounds excellent.
1: Of course he would. Professor Oak explains that people come from all over for the contest and suggests that they advertise the restaurant there. Misty also says that she wants to enter the beauty contest, and Professor Oak agrees that this is a good idea since there are cash prizes for winning. So Misty is going to join the beauty contest. Ash says, well, our money worries are over, and they all cheer. That's a lot of confidence right there, Ash, considering uh, what you're headed up for.
0: Yeah, he just automatically thinks they're going to win.
1: Oh, they're going to win, yeah. He's like Misty, who I make fun of every episode for her looks. She'll win a beauty contest for sure. We're good. And we'll get plenty of people to come eat at this restaurant, you know, a day after we destroyed everything. We then change scenes to Pidgeotto flying over the beach and dropping some pamphlets as a 90s hip-hop style music plays in the background. This is a great scene. The announcer for the contest explains that the contest will begin soon and that there is a $1,000 cash prize for winning in each category.
0: So, and I think it's revealed later, but the announcer, I mean, I could tell right away it's actually Brock because of his voice, which doesn't make sense since they made him the announcer even though he doesn't even live there. Like, he just automatically becomes the announcer. And... Also, $1,000 for winning each category. There's two categories. Was $2,000 really going to cover the dock and the boat?
1: Most likely not, if my evaluation of the cost of the boat holds up. Also, Jeff, I just want to point out that you had a Spoiler King moment, because I do mention that later when there's like a grand reveal that it is Brock. That I is mean, you announcer. heard
0: his voice. Like, it was a very distinct voice. That's not a spoilery moment.
1: It wasn't that distinct. I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. Sorry, Jeff, I'm, I'm giving that to you. You're you're on the wall of shame now. <laughs> the Pokemon uh, snapshot wall of shame. We see Ash and Misty cheering that the place is packed and Mo says that he will be able to pay Brutala her money. Brutala watches on in anger because apparently she doesn't like money.
0: She really wants that boat that she doesn't know is destroyed.
1: I guess so. Like, she's, like, looking on. Like, she tells them, I want my money or, or your boat. And then she sees them actively working towards what she wants. And she's like, eh, I don't like that. Like, come on now. What do you want, Brutala? We then change scenes to Ash sitting in the audience with his mom and Professor Oak. His mom explains to him that they, were, that they are there um, with a tour group called the Pallet Town Volunteer Patrol and Professor Oak explains that his mom has been worried about him. Ash's mom says that she hopes that Ash hasn't been eating a lot of junk food and getting into trouble, which prompts Ash to have a flashback to crashing the boat. He sells, well, not a lot of trouble in a somber tone. Really, Ash, the boat thing is the most recent thing that comes to your mind? That's like literally only the most recent bad thing that you've done. You've done a ton of bad things, and you've almost died in pretty much every episode preceding this. Mo then chimes in and says that he is the one who got into trouble and that Ash helped him, conveniently leaving out the part where Ash committed felony robbery and wrecked his stuff. Ash's mom sighs in relief, relief and Ash thanks Mo with a knowing look on his face. Ash probably knew that Mo could have ended his whole adventure for him by telling his mom the truth. I feel like, even if she didn't know anything else, just like stealing a boat... And crashing it probably would have been enough to make Ash's mom be like, all right, Ash, I think you're coming home with me kind of thing.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: The contest then begins and we see that Brock is the announcer or judge? Well, if you're watching the episode, this is when you see Brock as the announcer or judge. How the heck did this happen? Jeff kind of uh, mentioned that a little bit earlier, but uh, did, like, Brock, 12 years old, just stroll up and be like, hey, you know this giant event that people travel all over the world to check out? How about I announce for it and run the whole show? Brock announces that the first contestant is coming up, and the curtain opens to Misty walking down the runway in her bikini as a crowd cheers and men gawk. She says to herself, this is totally embarrassing and degrading, but we need the money. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of women that participate in contests like this that are like walking down the runway thinking to themselves, I'm getting paid a lot of money. If I win, I get a lot of money. Just to like... <laughs> make it a little more tolerable for themselves. Which, I can't blame them. If I was a good-looking woman, Jeff, you can guarantee I'd be Miss America right now. Okay. I, I do, I, yeah, for sure. There is another awkwardly long scene, by the way, during this whole thing, where the camera is slowly panning over her. This is going to be a really awkward sequence of scenes, I can already tell. Brock then announces her Pokemon, and we see Squirtle come out with a helmet on while hovering around on Staryu's back, apparently, and Starmie's back. Apparently, they are supposed to be aliens and their flying saucer.
0: Yeah, and you corrected yourself, were, there but Brock does call it a Staryu, even though it is actually a Starmie. And there's another area I want to mention here, because they start spraying water all over Misty, and Brock starts getting a little too excited, like... i totally
1: missed that part
0: yeah they're spraying water and brock is just like oh look at them go and i'm just like brock is probably thinking yes this is turning into a wet t-shirt contest or something
1: (laughs) oh my yeah i missed that I i could have just mentally blocked it out brock then says great job misty but all of a sudden jesse knocks misty over and says we'll take victory She is now in a much more revealing bikini, but it is James next to her who really steals the show in terms of revealing bikinis. He is also wearing makeup and that and that whole thing. And oh lord, here we go. Also, I want to point out something. Um, This whole scene, it transfers over into Japanese, so I'm just going to read to you what the subtitle said. I am not totally convinced that this is what was actually said, but this is what the English subtitle said. And Jeff, I do see your next comment, but that is coming up here uh, with the inflatable stuff
0: yeah yeah and i'm just saying tyler's not going over the part right now but (laughs) oh boy we we this is why this is why this episode got banned and it is for a good reason
1: the whole scene is relatively disturbing but james really brings it up a notch like he goes really full board on this so after being shoved over and seeing uh jesse and james standing in very revealing bikinis especially like i said james like he is pouring out of this thing misty hops up and says to james What? Aren't you a man? And James responds by saying, I am. My beauty doesn't exist in men, though. Whatever that is supposed to mean. Jesse then says, Annoying little brat, go away. And James immediately says, Service, service! While inflating his fake breasts up and down. So he has like an air pump on his fake breasts in this bikini thing, and he is pumping it inflating his breasts up and down. He then, uh, says Look here! And beckons the crowd to look at him as he is doing this. And like I said before, the uh, I'm just telling you what the English subtitle said. I don't know why he was just saying "service, service" as he was doing this. I'm willing to bet it was probably something else, but that is what the English subtitle said. So we're just gonna go with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. These aren't officially du- subtitled, like by you know Funimation or Four Kids or whatever the company right. that. You know, like you would watch, you know, like you would watch anime nowadays with subtitles. This was not done by some big company. This was fan translated and put up on Dailymotion or PokéFlix.tv where you can watch the episodes that we could not get to legally because this one does not exist anywhere. But yeah, so this is not an official translation and we we are just going off of what they said.
1: Right, so the service-service thing, I have no idea. Brock, as announcer, then says, Two women have suddenly burst onto the stage, and I personally do not dislike them, but everyone seems to be happy. (laughs) The crowd cheers and whistles as Jesse says, Naturally, and James grabs his breasts and waves them around in front of Misty, saying, You participated ten years too early. (laughs) Ah, this is uh, much worse than I predicted it would be.
0: So. I I have a few notes, and this line I did not see when it was going off, but I have the thing, no, I have the, the it translates to, you're ten years too young, as he's waving his chest in front of Misty. But oh, I see. I also have in one of the cutout scenes, James says to Misty, when you're older, you'll have a chest like this.
1: Oh, uh, why?
0: Yeah, so, as everyone can see, there is a whole, there is a reason this whole scene was taken out of the English version.
1: Yes, a very good, very solid reason. I kind of wish I had never seen this.
0: <laughs> so, and a little bit of fun facts. In season one, there are three banned episodes. Well, there's more now, but that's they became banned later. They originally aired. But there were three original banned episodes this one and two others. And out of the three, this is the one that wasn't originally translated at first, and the other two were, which will be interesting when we get to the other two because I feel like they cover. Not cover worse things, but, like, would have been a lot harder to dub out.
1: Okay, I'm intrigued. So after this whole exchange, and like I said, we don't know exactly what was said here, but you get the picture, Uh, Misty begins crying as Brock announces the next two Pokemon and says that they are dressed as a legendary Pokemon. And we then see coughing and Ekans as they make their way down the runway in what appears to be a fairly indiscernible costume. I could not readily tell what this was. Uh, Brock says that he believes they are supposed to be Omastar. Omastar? Yeah. Omastar. Omastar. Before anything else can happen, though, Gary and his posse walk up on stage and kick them off of it, which was not called for. And his posse are all girls in bikinis and other various swimsuits. Uh, Brock announces that it is a surprise visit by Gary Oak and his women.
0: And I just want to say that here that Gary is a much worse antagonist than Team Rocket. I mean, he just comes up and just completely kicks their Pokemon off the stage. It's not like he's kicking the humans off the stage. He's kicking the Pokemon off the stage.
1: Right. And the other thing I want to throw out is Brock is doing a terrible job of, like, running this thing because this is the third time that somebody has skipped their turn and barged onto the stage. Like, where's the order, Brock? Where's the law and order here? We flash to the audience where Professor Oak nervously mentions to Ash that he forgot to tell him that Gary came with them on their little trip. Ash is not pleased, and suddenly Gary calls out for Ash, saying that he knows... That he is in the crowd. He then says, "Don't worry, Ash. I didn't come here to make you jealous of me. I came here so some of my beautiful fan club members could make you jealous of me." As the girls begin to chant for him, he he thanks his and he thanks his fan club and yells to Ash that he wrote that cheer himself.
0: Yeah, and going with the cheer, they I mean they rhyme Ash with trash, which is just horrible.
1: Yes, but kind of funny.
0: And it's even worse if you think about how Gary was already ahead of Ash and then went back to Pallet Town to go on this trip with his uncle.
1: Right, absolutely. Like, he was doing so good, he's like, I could take a few days off and go on vacation with uh, Professor Oak and his girlfriend, Ash's mom. And also, I just want to throw out, Jeff, that uh, I, I know that Gary and his little chant rhymes Ash with trash, but I think we can all agree he could have rhymed it with something much worse. True. which honestly would not have been out of character for the content of this episode. (laughs) This whole thing then angers Ash and he shoots up the run and he shoots up to run on the stage. While he does this, uh, Pikachu was sitting on his lap. I should mention this knocks Pikachu onto the ground as Ash shoots up out of his seat to go run up to the stage and Pikachu like hits the ground. and kind of looks up like what the heck? We then flash to Brock, counting off the six beautiful girls on stage and saying how tough it will be to choose the most beautiful one and that it is a good kind of tough. Oh, Brock, he's having the day of his life. Misty sighs backstage and says that with a buildup like that, the judges will never even give her a second look. We then see Team Rocket again and Jessie says, Those women are more beautiful than me? This isn't funny. And James blurts out, I am pretty than." then before Brutala comes up behind them and grabs them and pulls them off the stage. We flash back to the restaurant where Brutala explains that she knew all along they were with Team Rocket. I wonder what gave her that clue. Could it have been that they were wearing their Team Rocket uniforms when she found them? But she says that she has fixed their Gyarados sub, and that if they don't do what she says, they can't have it.
0: And actually, this where was a little interesting, because when she first comes upon Team Rocket there, they are still in their bikinis. Then she pulls them off, and now they're in their Team Rocket uniforms. So I was ah. just thinking, luckily at this point, they did put Team Rocket back in their uniforms. Otherwise, there probably would not have been enough footage to make this into an episode.
1: No, 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 definitely not. Because is that what they cut out, though, in the in the US aired version? They cut out basically just every scene with Jesse and James in a bikini? Yeah. How about the stuff with Misty in the bikini? Nope. Oh, my. I guess we get why it was aired twice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is all because of James' inflatable breasts.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, those things were definitely uh, gratuitous. He definitely went a little overboard with that accessory. She uh, leads them over to the sub and instructs them to destroy the booty pageant and Mo's restaurant. Team Rocket agrees and says that they are great at destroying things, which isn't that the truth. They hop in the sub, and we then see Ash challenging Gary to a battle. Gary says he doesn't have any Pokemon with him, and Ash says that he is just scared. He says he has no reason to be scared of Ash, and I tend to agree with him. So so Ash is like, you're just scared, that's why you don't have Pokemon. It's like, no, Ash, he doesn't have his Pokemon because he's on a tropical vacation with his grandfather and his grandfather's new girlfriend, who incidentally is your mother, which is the ultimate burn.
0: I feel like Gary would be that kid that would be telling Ash things he saw his grand his gr- uncle and or his grandfather and Ash's mom doing. Like Yeah, I I hope that he, he didn't see any of that, but yeah. No, it, no, it, I'm not talking about that. I'm like he sees them holding hands or something. Oh
1: yeah, okay, yeah. All Jesus, right. Tyler. I got ya. I gotcha, I gotcha. I didn't know what direction this is a PG thirteen episode. I know, know and
0: wow. you were trying to put it into our territory. No, no,
1: it would not be R unless there were images or describing it, I'm pretty sure. But I guess we'll find out if this uh, jumps up and bites us. Uh, Let me find my spot again. Oh, yes. So, after Gary sells Ash that he has no reason to be scared of him, Brock hops in and tells Ash to control himself, and Gary says that he doesn't know how Ash will ever learn to control his Pokemon if he cannot control himself. Just then, Team Rocket sub emerges from the water. They lower tank tracks on their sub and begin driving up onto the beach as people run in horror. Ash yells for everyone to stay calm, so he, like, grabs the mic, and he's yelling into the mic that Brock previously had, Stay calm! It isn't a real Gyarados! He says this, um, so everyone can hear him. Now, I want to mention that, yes, it's not a real Gyarados, Ash, but it is still a tank. Like, at this point, it is a tank, and I'm not sure which is worse. People start to listen to to him, though, and kind of calm down, and Ash's mom is really proud for probably the first
0: time ever. You know, I said the same thing. Even though it isn't a real Gyarados, it is still a tank driving straight towards the crowd. That is still a very good reason to be terrified.
1: Yes, I mean, you you don't want to have a tank driving at you, I can imagine. Team Rocket then fires a torpedo at Ash. Gary asks if he is going to freak out, which seems like a, you know... ...thing to do if you see somebody having a torpedo fired at them. Of course he should freak out. And Brock says that it is a heat-seeking missile. Ash says no way to Gary and throws out Charmander and Pidgeotto. Pidgeotto picks up Charmander and Charmander uses his flamethrower uh, on the ground... ...which then, for some reason, redirects the missile straight towards Team Rocket. Team Rocket is now flying down the beach trying to escape their own heat-seeking missile... And uh, they're pedaling as hard as they can, trying to escape this thing. And they pedal right towards Brutala and her restaurant. And the missile actually blows up, destroying the restaurant and sending them all flying into the sky.
0: All right, I have a couple things to say here. For one, this was actually a very well thought-out plan from Ash. It was. I was surprised. Yeah, the heat-seeking missile. Let's send out my fire Pokemon and let it lead the missile to where it needs to go. And something that is going to be interesting later on. So in season three. Jesse gets a Wabafet, and the person who voices Brutella here ends up voicing Wabafet during those episodes. And so, you know, when they get flown into the sky, they go, you know, team looks like Team Rocket's blasting off again. And then you hear Brutella going, "Ah!" Remember that sound because at once they get Wabafet, usually Wabafet goes flying off with them, and it sounds just like Brutella did in this in this episode. Very
1: interesting. I will have to listen. I will have to listen into that. We then flash to Mo driving away on his boat. So after Team Rocket flies off into the sunset with Rutala, um we see Mo getting onto his boat. Apparently, it is now fixed, and they tell him good luck on his journey. Ash and his party tells Ash's mom that he has to go and says that he will make his mom proud of him. They walk off down the beach to some sweet '90s soap opera music. Professor Oak tells her that she should be really proud, and she says that she is. Also during this scene, she's holding a trophy, and I'm not sure who won it or why she has it, but whatever, she has a trophy.
0: So in the Japanese version, it is implied that Ash's mom is holding onto the trophy for the winner, even though we're not told who the winner is, or even if there was more, because it was kind of just Ash or Misty and then Team Rocket, and then chaos happened before anyone else could show up. But supposedly during the dub, and I didn't catch this, Ash is the winner since he saved the contest from Team Rocket and Brutella. Okay,
1: that makes sense. Like, they're probably like, hey, thanks for saving all of our lives.
0: Here's a trophy. I mean, the $2,000 would have been nice.
1: Yeah, that probably would have been nice too, but maybe that was given and that's why the boat is now fixed.
0: Oh, that that makes
1: sense. Ah, we're connecting some dots here. At this point, with the sweet nineties uh, soap opera music still going to be continued, comes across the screen, wrapping up our incredibly disturbing episode.
0: Yeah, this episode—it's interesting for Pokemon anime history. I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna word it that way. So, and really, if it wasn't for it being a lost episode, it nothing really happens it's not that great of an episode
1: no it's like middle of the pack i would say in terms of content
0: yeah it's not the crazy happens but
1: it's not horrid either
0: no it i mean if someone say someone sat down and says hey we're gonna watch this episode i wouldn't be like uh whatever i would just you know be okay we can watch this episode it's not i i'd still watch it but not one of my favorites but if you want to tell us what you thought of the episode, you should tweet us at Pokemon Snapshot or email us at the Pokemon at gmail.com. And Tyler, I think that's it for this episode. Any more comments? Indeed.
1: I I think I pretty much threw everything into the episode itself. Uh, I don't want to say any more about any of those topics. I was trying to te- tread a very uh, tight line here.
0: Yes, most definitely. So join us next week. When we will be watching episode 19, Tentacool and Tentacruel.
1: It's going to be super cool.